So, you ready to start a podcast? Well, Spotify for Podcasters is the absolute perfect solution. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters. They make it super easy to record and edit right from your computer. And not only that, it lets you distribute your content everywhere and even earn cash. And the best part, it's absolutely free. You literally have no excuse. So I suggest you go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters and start creating today. Men are eight times more emotional than women. Mm. It might take you years to recover. But you don't really want to get in there and risk it. See, because love is a risk. 40 years of marriage, teaching, counseling, changing the lives of women and men all around the country. We actually found love because we have brought her here on the set. We are here with Love McPherson. Welcome to Harley this year. Abuse is you did something to me that you were not supposed to do. Does marriage have anything to do with more happiness? So here's the thing. Wow. Mm. So great fact that marriage does not make you happier if you ain't already happy. You know what? If y'all didn't have me, I would break through the door. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to be healed enough to recognize dysfunction when you see it. This is hitting hard right now. I done drifted off thinking about my life. (laughs) I want you to see the little boy allow his deepest voice to be heard because when people hear and see him, they're going to... Welcome to Hardly Initiated. It is your host, Tyshawn Jackson, here with another episode of my co-host, Ryan Ketchins. You know what? I'm, I'm feeling warm and fuzzy today, man. I, I, yeah. I think it's, it's, a, it's a vibe going on. You know what that feeling is? What, what is that? That feeling is love. Ah. That's love. Okay. Because today, y'all, we have found love. Yes. And I ain't just talking about that love, the feeling Ryan talking about. <laughs> right. I'm talking about right. in real life. We actually found love. Because we have brought her here on the set today. Because if y'all don't know who this woman is, we talking 40 years of marriage. Is it 40 on the dot? It is 40 on the dot, and it'll be 41 in May. Wow. 40 <laughs> years of marriage is on the set. That is a hardly initiated record. That's absolutely <laughs> by, trumped by 14, uh, 15 years. Yes. That's incredible. And guess what? The, the, the most incredible part is... We are not sailmates. We are soulmates. I don't just love them. I still like them. Now, everybody, you can love somebody right on to the courthouse for a divorce. But liking is really the challenge because, see, love is is a a choice, but like is a preference. Mm. I still prefer him. 40 years of marriage, (laughs) teaching, counseling, changing the lives of women and men all around the country. Cleaning it up. You've seen her on so many big platforms, and she's here on Harley Initiated today. We are here with Love McPherson. Welcome to Harley Initiated. Thank you all. I am so honored to be here with you, gentlemen. We're excited that you're here. We we like I was telling you off camera, we got a, a YouTube channel membership. Shout out to all the initiatives that support us. I actually just ran into one with maybe about 15 minutes before I came to the studio. But um, we survey them because we want them to let us know how we should run the show, who we should have, what topics we should discuss. And you, by far, are one of the oh, top requested people. Thank yeah. you all. This is dope. <laughs> yes. And I, I, can see, I can see why just from as, as soon as I you know, started to have a conversation with you. And I think it's because it's a level of respect that both men and women have for the mature person that's willing to share a game with you. 
because a lot of us got, you know, and some of us don't, but a lot of us got the grandmothers, the aunties, the grandfathers, you know, and the uncles in the household, but, or around, but not all of them are vocal with mm-hmm. sharing their experience. It's true. Yeah. So we still miss out on that game. And it's the game that you can just sit down and just listen to all day. And it's not biased. Yeah. It's not one-sided. It's mm-hmm. objective. And it's coming from a place of love. Oh, Facts. Right? That Facts. is so good. You know, that's important what you said. Some of the aunties and things are not uh, sharing. And some of it is because they have been traumatized. And that's not a generation. My generation is not a generation that went to therapy and actually processed some of that pain. So some of that pain is still inside of them. And if you open that door to what they would share, it would just, they would be left not being able to know what to do with what they just spilled out. Mm, They don't know how to deal with that. Yeah. And so that generation, and, and they were programmed, don't tell my business, (laughs) <laughs> Shut your mouth. Right. And so some of the stuff, they just had to live through it, uh, just heal from it the best they could. Some of them self-medicated it and uh, and just kept going. And But guess what? They left the DNA inside of their kids. And so at this generation, we have to process that. We can't carry this another generation. And that's what we're going to talk about here today because a Need lot of it. us have just completely withdrawn from love. Yes, we don't know how to love. Our definition of love is even all wrong. And even if some of us are wanting to be a part of it, we just don't even know how. I think one of the R&B artists said an icebox where my heart used to be, right? So I agree. let's talk about that because what are some of the top reasons that somebody might have just withdrawn from being able to love altogether? Well, I, a lot of times it's because of relationship trauma. Some people are dealing with relationship PTSD. They mm. really are because, and it's not always firsthand trauma. Sometimes it's secondhand trauma from what they have seen in the home. So what has to, what happens with love and anything that traumatizes you, and what is trauma? Trauma is an emotional wound. So they have been wounded by somebody's behavior, what they saw them do to others or what they saw them do to themselves. And so if somebody who claimed to love you, whether it be a parent, whether it be an ex, whether it be a present, if they claim to love you, you start associating what their behaviors with love. So if every time you go and somebody says they love you and they betray you or they cheat on you or they beat on you or what you've seen is not good, then you're like, oh, I don't, I'm not trying to put my hand on that stove because I have been traumatized by what I've seen and what I've experienced, and it don't look good to me. And so until you dissociate, I didn't say disassociate, it's a, this is a clinical term, dissociate love with pain, love with the trauma, love with heartbreak. You've got to dissociate it you know, by your healing process in order to be able to go back in there and, 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 and try it again. Mm. And that typically comes from your childhood. Typically that pain, that trauma, it's not from your last boyfriend. It's from things that you it grew up with. It can be from your last boyfriend, depending on what you, who your last boyfriend was. It could be from your last girlfriend, too, because men are eight times more emotional than women, even though they think they are, it's, it's the opposite. And that's why when men get hurt, you don't see them recover as quickly as women. Hold on, oh, hold on, yeah, yeah. Hold you don't, don't just breeze past that one. Because I've never <laughs> even heard that logic before. Men are eight times more emotional, emotional. 
than women. Absolutely. And that's why you, you uh, and this is what happens. A lot of times, if you check it out, men got hurt somewhere around grade school um, or, you know, junior high or high school, because what ended up happening was maybe they were, had a, a mother they loved and they were connected to that mother. And so they wanted to just lo- love that girl and, and be connected and treat her right. And she was a good guy and all this kind of stuff. And then you saw her go over to that bad boy who wasn't even doing right. And you, you were given, you know, did her your little antics, your mom and say, okay, oh, take her some flowers or whatever you had to do. You were just treating her good. And then you were rewarded with a heartbreak. Mm. It might take you years to recover and to trust women. Men will walk all the way up the aisle not trusting, but they'll go anyway. And so what I'm saying to you is that, and, and not all of them, I did, I'm not categorizing or labeling all of them, but, but, but too many will be unhealed, and, and you will see what I call skating on the carpeting. You ever go to a skating ring? You think you can skate because the carpeting is on the outside <laughs> and you're just doing all your little tricks and you get on the floor and you that look like slick. Sandy. Right, okay? right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you think you know what you're doing, but you, but you don't really want to get in there and risk it. Mm. See, because love is a risk. And so they don't want to risk it again. That heartbreak that they took them so long to recover. But, but you know what? I say this about men, but it's true for women as well. So, you know, when I turned it around to why women are afraid, it's simply because we as a people, our brains are created to protect us. And if our brains come to the conclusion that love is painful and love can can hurt us, our everything in us will say, resist it, don't do it. And so, you know, past pain, that's the goal. Protect yourself. And so they will avoid it or have shallow. When I call the, the when I talk about the, the uh, skating on the carpet, that's shallow relationships. I'll just mess around. I'm not interested in a serious relationship. I just wanna, you know, I'm just, you know, playing the field. I'm I'm just doing what I do. So that's what they'll do and have shallow relationships, men and women. And so uh, we have to to understand what we have experienced in relationships. So we can self-assess and understand if we need healing in that area. So when you say, just to, just for clarity, when you say men are eight times <laughs> more emotional, does that mean, when you say more emotional, does that mean how we operate within? How do you define emotional when you, when you say it in that sense? The, the level of sensitivity. Mm. And that makes sense because that scenario that you mentioned, we actually very familiar with that scenario. The guy gets hurt in junior high school. Next thing you know, he becomes a savage, you know, so mm-hmm. to speak. But I never considered that to be an emo- a man being emotional. Yes. We have had to, women as a whole, have had to learn to endure pain, whether it's childbirth or whatever the case may be, suck it up and keep moving on. So we have been programmed for pain. Uh, the pain of even carrying children, the pain of, of birthing children, the pain of a lot of things, and women just have not been given the luxury of almost healing our pain. So that is where we may err on the side of, is not uh, just continuing to function while we are in pain to our detriment. However, men will say emotionally, first of all, I'm not even supposed to be expressing this emotion that I'm experiencing, 
So I'm going to make sure I'm not ever put in a place where I'm crying tears at my daddy or my uncle or my cousins saying I'm not supposed to cry. So let me just guard myself so I never have to look weak, that I don't have to, you know, heal or, or whatever I need to do. So that's a lot of time. And once again, did y'all see here? I must look at this camera. I'm not talking about everybody. I am just telling you this is a, a, a biology of, of what happens sometimes. See, that makes so much sense because if a man just spends most of his life guarding himself and protecting himself from even feeling when he does open himself up, it's going to be so sense. He's going to be so sensitive to that because he's not even familiar or used to feeling this. So yes, it's very sensitive, which is why guys struggle with infidelity a little bit more, yes. which is why guys struggle with like all forms of betrayal and emo, especially emotional betrayal and, and so on and things like that. Even amongst us as men, absolutely. like even if another man, does something to scar you it's even hard for men men will hold that grudge to the casket there's no going back we, we would even you know if a, depending on what the, the the friend does you would even advise that friend hey you you can't you can't be friends with him that's just the rule absolutely he did x never could talk to him again yeah we don't deal well with emotional right. betrayal and emotional trauma in that way so wow and so, so here's the thing because of that it's so important. This even this podcast is important because women need to understand what can damage a man to that place where they do grow cold, where they do turn the light switch of their emotions off and will not turn it back on to you. Even though you might think you see flickers of light, you might think you see flickers of light, but that light switch is off. So do do women, you know, really not have a grasp of what could impact a man like that or do they get to a point based on what's happened in the relationship where they just don't care they just don't have a concern for how the man is going to respond to something that they've done now that is a question where it is very very individualized okay but i will say this the answer can go in many directions First, we'll start with the auntie that you talked about or the mother or the grandmother that didn't talk about relationships because it was too painful for her to talk about. And so maybe that girl was grew up with that mother and she doesn't know. You mm. understand? She really doesn't know. And maybe her father was either in the home and silent or not in the home or just busy or working or something like that. So she may not actually understand the dynamics of relationship except maybe what she sees in her parents that she doesn't like because we learn relationships by how people have relationships with others and how they have relationship with us. Now there's another young lady who doesn't care because people didn't care about me. Mm -hmm. So see re re neglect actually breeds a sense of entitlement. It also breeds a sense of I'm going to get mine no matter whether I have to or not. And that's not just about women. This is women and men. So because you neglect me, you'll see those people there always trying to scan for fairness and justice because abuse is you did something to me that you were not supposed to do. Neglect is you didn't do something for me that you were supposed to do. So when somebody was, was supposed to love you, was supposed to protect you, was supposed to be there for you, and they did not, and you did not have that luxury, and you had to s take care of yourself, what ends up happening is you feel a sense of entitlement often. 
you'll see that's one of the symptoms, a sense of entitlement where, okay, and it'll, it'll carry on into relationships. You don't want to have sex with me? Hmm. I'll go get my sex from somewhere else. You don't want to, you don't want to uh, love me? I can have five other women. You, you talk to me like that? But I got other women, as soon as I walk out the door because I'm mad, I'm going over there, and she going to tell me exactly what I want to hear. But, it's, but they feel justified uh, because of they have not been healed from the neglect, the pain, and the wounds and the traumas of the neglect. And I'm not telling you everybody who's neglected handles it this way, but that is one of the symptoms of it. Just like if you had any physical cancer or, or, or disease, there, everybody's not going to display all the same symptoms, but here are some common symptoms that they'll send you home with. Let, let me ask you this, love, because um, I, I remember I was about 28 and I was dating a young lady and uh, her dad, you know, I was pretty cool with her dad. Dad was, was a really cool guy. And one day he just kept asking me about, you know, my family. And, you know, that was, that was all cool. We talked about my mom, talked about my grandma. But then he, he was asking about my dad. And I just thought, I'm like, once he asked me about my dad and I told him my dad wasn't around, I just assumed all questions about my dad should stop, right? But he continued to ask, like, have you ever tried to meet him? And what's the situation? And what does my mom say about him? And all these different questions. And my response to him was, no, you know, I haven't ever tried to meet him. You know, I my, never really had a conversation with my mom about him. And I'm good. And he was like, what does that mean, you good? And I was telling him, you know, in so many different ways, I was explaining to him that, hey, I know I grew up without a father, but I didn't miss out on anything. And that was my whole attitude. And he started to detail his past and his relationship with his father. Similar situation, grew up without his dad, uh, had the same mindset until his dad actually ended up reaching out to him. And long story short, you know, him and his dad still have an iffy relationship, but he started to tell me about how important that was for him, even, even though they don't have the best relationship at that time, it was still very important that he had to have that experience. And with him moving forward to have kids, he talked about that experience impacting the way he even raises his kids and how he thinks and what he wants to do for his daughter, his sons, things like that. And he asked me, you know, why did I think I didn't, you know, I didn't miss out on anything? And I really had to think about that. And I thought about all the times my mother told me, hey, I'm the mom and the daddy, you know, or hey, you don't, you don't need that. You know, I got you. And in my head, I grew up for so long. I'm like, I really was walking around thinking that even though I grew up fatherless, it did not impact me whatsoever. And that was one of the first times that it, because and the reason how I knew it started to impact me is because when I'm having this conversation with my girlfriend's dad or the girl I was dating dad at the time. I like really, really wanted to cry. Like it was so hard to talk to this dude. And he I wasn't even talking really. He was doing his share. And I was like, I do not want to cry in front of my girlfriend's dad. That's what I kept thinking the whole time. So that was the point where I realized that once I started to think about things, I realized how much I did miss out on. Mm. Right. And my question for you is how many people or if you can put a percentage on it, what percentage of people you think are walking around saying, hey, whatever happened to me in the past, it don't really matter. It's over. As long as I concern myself with what's happening right now, that's all that's important. Way too many. And I, I can't put a percentage on it because mm. in the past few years, 
therapy has becoming much more normalized in the black community. They are starting to realize their past traumas and pains and things like that. However, what you, the scenario you gave is actually quite common. This is what ends up happening. Um, you may not feel like you missed your dad and maybe he would, he didn't show up in your life, but if you might've, but you may have told yourself when I have a kid, one thing I'm going to do, you make, we make these personal vows to ourselves. I'm going to be in my child's life. I'm going to tell you that much. My child is going to know where I am. Did you ever make that, that vow? I did. I did. Okay. So, so, so people, even though they may think they didn't miss them, the men will make a vow to themselves. I'm going to be a better dad. Now let's listen to me of this. What they don't realize is that they don't make the same vow about being a husband because they never saw those dynamics. They don't know that they're, they've missed that. You might have, you didn't just miss a dad, you missed relationship skills associated with a husband. And because of that, you also may be sitting here thinking that's optional too. Mm. Now, he mentioned at that time that he felt, you know, once a, a young man turns 18, at that point, it's his responsibility. Whether his dad reaches out to him or not, it's his responsibility now to go make that connection with his father. But guess what? The voice of a man was foreign to you. Mm. So your first reaction was you resisted the voice of a man of authority and over a household even talking to you. However, if you were raised in a two-parent home, that would have totally been normalized to you if your father was present in the home. Because some people have fathers in the home, but they're not present in the home, really. But if you had a father who was active and involved in the home, that would not that conversation sitting there would not have been foreign, even if it was painful. So you you say it's, it's mandatory that you go back and really navigate these paths. It is not necessary. I don't think it's nav- it's mandatory for you to find the man, but I do think it's mandatory that you find the pain related to the man Understood. and heal that and work through that because sometimes that can set you back further. You know, if you don't deal with it finding the man because sometimes the man will will re-injure and re-trigger the traumas that have been laying dormant in you for a long time so you need maybe you might need some assistance on that depending on what type of father your father was Mm. and so but at any time where that father has not shown up in his full capacity whether he was in the home or not you still need to heal from those traumas man the husband part, I, you know what? I think, I think a lot of us do say that. Like, you know, most men, especially the men that I know, because I know a lot of guys <clears throat> that were raised without their, their father in the house, and they say, you know, I'm going to be a great father. I'm going to mm-hmm. be a great dad. <clears throat> but a lot of them aren't right immediately saying as well, I'm going to be a great husband. That's right. So what's the what's the disconnect there? Like, why do you think that? Wh- why is that disconnect? Because there? they don't even see they they've never seen that relationship close up. They've seen you know we have a sixty percent of households are raised by single mothers. I call them super single moms because I would never minimize what they do. As a mother with a husband for forty years, it was difficult raising children. I can't even imagine doing it by myself. 
So those super single moms who raise those boys, some of them don't do the right thing. Some of them do a lot of the right things and more. And some of them do act as mom and dad the best they can. Mm -hmm. However, what ends up happening is they give a distorted picture of what, of a normal, normalizing family. Why? Because the super single moms will mask sometimes the level of pain it takes, the level of heartbreak maybe she has had to deal with, the, the level of what she has endured to actually run that household. So we will think it looks easier than it is. So we will see ourselves as optional. Yeah. And then the daughters will see themselves as, <clears throat> hey, I can do it all. And so to me, so they will actually confirm to that man that, yeah, I got this. And you were like, I guess there's no place for me. But in actuality, there is a place. We just need to have that place modeled and actually uh, valued. So I want to talk about that because you talked about what that can cause. So the super single mom household, which has been a part of a major part of this generation that mm -hmm. we see for a young lady, it can distort her view and what it looks, what, what, and what who she has to become. Yes. And the role she has to play. The strong black woman. And, and right now, this generation is bucking up against that. The strong black woman. We have been raised by strong black women in our culture. And we have been, that's been going on since enslavement. The strong black woman who they rip the man apart and away from them, and they still have to keep on, and they had to, to make and, and, and raise those kids the best they could, protect them the best they could, and it was no fault of the man at that time. However, we don't want to normalize that it is an option. We've got to see ourselves and see how we can work together, and we cannot give and feed into this divide. What about the men now, too? Because I want to talk about them. Because how does that household affect the young men growing up in it now? Like I said, the, the men, the young men growing up in those households, sometimes they don't, there's, there's a couple of ways that it can affect. It, it can affect different men different ways. Yeah. But the first one is this. Uh, sometimes they will not see themselves in that household so they see themselves as optional. The second thing is this. Sometimes on an emotional level, there are single moms who make that boy a man before his time. They, and, and also, there is a mom, and this can be one or the same, a mom who makes the, man, the boy her man. Mm. And I'm not talking about sexual violation. It's actually called, uh, you know, when they become kind of parentified, but, but, but they become a spousal, uh, abuse because the child is not abused sexually. He is abused in a form that he sees himself as the man of the house. He's there to help his mother emotionally. He is there being the husband in the house, the father in the house before he actually has the skills to be that. Yeah. So he's left in this, this space where he is, he is forced to maneuver well above his developmental level. And that can just, damage him to the point where he's like, I don't want to go back into that level of responsibility. The level of responsibility traumatizes him and he doesn't want to get back into that. And, and also a lot of times is this, 
when that happens, and, and that's not all of, of single women. Mm. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about with the super single women. I'm talking about the women who, who should stop this, is raising black boys to be the man of the house. They are the boy of the house, okay? They are the boy of the house. And as the boy of the house, they need to go through their normal developmental levels until they reach manhood and actually have the mental capacity, the, the emotional capacity to carry the weight of, of, of relationships that you're going through, uh, the, the, the abuse you might be enduring, the financial responsibilities of that home, the, the parenting of their siblings, or the parenting of their parents. And so we have to, and, and that goes for male and women, we've got to keep kids to the point where they actually have normal developmental levels uh, as they're growing up. Because once they miss those developmental levels, nine out of ten times, they will show back up in them. So you have grown men who are baby men. Mm-hmm. They come and they are grown men bodies, but they are acting like children because they miss the childhood. So now that they're free, they're 30, 40, 50, acting like they're sweet 16. And so we, we, we have to allow the healing process even, and, and, and it's, it is not to minimize the pain that those mothers have gone through. It's not to minimize any of that. It's, it's to say, let's self-assess, pause, restructure, rethink this process, and raise a whole different real, uh, uh, nation, uh, culture, generation of boys who go to evolve to men in the normal cycle and cherish and value healthy relationships and value women. And I'm, I'm not saying that in a, in a, a sex. I'm saying value the, the, the wife like they value being the father. Mm. Mm. Because we don't we, value right. being the value the wife, yes, like they value value being a husband, even the thought of a husband. We raise our daughters constantly. They give them dows with their children. We give what do we do? A little bitty girl. We'll hand her a dow to take care of, feed the baby, mm-hmm. take care. So we are literally come out of the womb taking care of others. The boy, be strong, fight. Take care of yourself, buy cars, clunk, jump around. But the girl is being nurtured for motherhood, being nurtured to care for somebody. And then when it comes time to actually fulfill her dreams, because society tells you, you can be happy single, but you'll be happier married. You'll be happier married. Lie. If you were not happy single, you will not be happier married. In fact, this is what happens to you. Uh, medically, uh, 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 physically, your brain operates exactly like uh, me- medication. If you're on a pain, if you're in pain, you're taking pain medication. What ends up happening, you'll find, is that it'll first start working. It, it numbs the pain, but pretty soon your body catches up with it, and it no longer gives you the painkiller. It, it never, it doesn't work as effective. Same thing for happiness after marriage. There is a after single, you go up, you, 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 you hit like a peak. Within two years, you come back down to the exact same levels of happiness 
as you were before while you were single. Your body catches up. So then after two years, this is what I get in my chair. I get the couple saying, I think it's because he don't bring me flowers like he used to. He don't do this like he used to. Or she don't do this. And she don't. You're looking for why am I changed? Do I, am I still in love with this person? You're starting to look to for what happened to you when in actuality it is a, bo- a normal body chemistry that brings you back. And that's why it's so important that we don't have these unreasonable expectations of ecstasy every day mm. and knocking everything off the countertop and 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 because somebody gonna clean that up when when we're finished, okay? And it's probably gonna be the woman, all right? And so we have to be realistic in our expectations of relationships and and be sober-minded because the real truth of this is that relationship is not just sitting here to meet your sexual fantasy. It should, but it's not. That's not the sole purpose. The sole purpose for, not the sole purpose, but a major purchase purpose is how we were created in our brains. Your person actually physically, studies show, reduces your level of stress. Resources, okay, stress is reduced within you when you feel like you have a resource to deal with any kind of threat or risk that's mm-hmm. of that approach to you. You are in pain and, and you have medication. Okay. I'm not as in stress. If I, somebody's a bill collector, but I have money in the bank, I have less stress, but the greatest level of stress reduction is social resources. That person who's got you, that person who is your person, they did studies where the person sits there and they show them pictures that that and and you know they they hooked them up. They've they showed showed show the brain uh, activity waves of somebody under seeing watching visuals of threat and things like that. They put the a person in the room who held their hand, who they felt they could trust and they loved and things like that. Literally, it reduced the amount of stress that you felt it reduced the amount of anxiety that you felt. And so what I'm saying to you is this, your person, and I can tell you this as a woman after 40 years, after all that we've been through, my husband and I, and he is an amazing guy, but we're human. So we had to kind of at each stage, there's challenges. But at this point, it is not about passionate, all of this. It is the solid that, man, that guy's got me. When it was time to bury my family, he had me. When it was time to bury his mother and father, I had him. When it was time to go through sickness, we had each other. When you have that person and they have proven through the, through the, the, the time that they are with you, let me tell you something. You better prepare for this stage of your life. Don't sit there and choose somebody mm. for your 20-some-year-old self, your 30-some-year-old self. You better choose somebody for your 70-year-old self. Choose somebody who you know loves you enough to change your diaper. Wow. Mm. So, first of all, great fact <laughs> that love, marriage, excuse me, does not make you happier if you ain't already happy. But for even the people that live happier lives or live happy lives, does marriage even make them happier? Like, does marriage have anything to do with more happiness? 
marriage can absolutely make you happy if you're with the right person and you've done the work within you. A lot of times we think that marriage will make you happy based on what somebody else does. It is actually your own decisions because you can't control anybody. Marriage is one of the highest risk activities you will ever engage in. Yes. That, because you are committing a lifetime to one person. And so, and that person, you say, here is my heart, handle it with care. That person has the option to say, let me put it over to the side because I'm going to pick up this other person's heart for a minute. Right. That person can say, boop, drop it on the ground and crack it. That person can just walk away. Oh, I, was that your heart? I meant to, you understand? But they are, they, they have the option. And because we can't control that space, sometimes if, if you have had trauma in the past where somebody who had a label or a title of father, mother, or something, if they also took your heart and dropped it, if they also did, you will be sitting there micromanaging your heart because you don't trust handing your heart to somebody and believing that they will, hand, will handle it with care mm. unless you've done the work to be healed. Well, can we, can we, because I think, because that's a great point. I just think that the audience may be a bit confused about how to evaluate happiness. And the reason why I say that is because I, I remember when I used to work corporate, I was working at Enterprise. People ask me all the time. I used to tell them, I'm, I love this job. Like, I would run through a brick wall for the corporation. Then I met one of my now friends and mentors, JP. We got, we got reacquainted after college, and he was a, a real estate entrepreneur, and he was a YouTuber. I met him. I seen the type of time freedom he had. I seen the type of money he was making. I seen what he was able to do with his time. And all of a sudden, I'm like, yo, I really hate this job. <laughs> it's the same exact job I have been doing. What I realized is that I was happy with being a high performer. But when I evaluated the things that impacted my life from the job, I realized I was not happy with the job at all, which is why I ended up quitting a year or two later and end up you know, getting in touch with Tyshawn and we end up doing our own thing and so forth. So could you help the audience, help us all to, to learn how do we evaluate if we are truly happy and whether we're single or married? So let me just tell you, first of all, the, the happiness formula. Okay. okay. And then I, I, will, I will tie that. It's a formula for happiness. Is there's a formula. The happiness formula, which studies have, have shown, is 50% of your happiness will be based on your DNA. That is insights. There have there were studies that were done at 9/11 where the child came out. They were they, the, the mother was pregnant. The, the child came out with higher levels of anxiety because they were actually born into the trauma. There mm. were studies where a, a person's great grandmother had been brutally raped and assaulted, and every year uh, the granddaughter would actually have a traumatic kind of reaction, and she never knew her grandmother even had it. They were able to trace it back. So your DNA absolutely can affect your your level of happiness and can affect what, what you're going through. That's 50%. 40% of your happiness is based on your childhood traumas. So you have to heal that. So if you still have the body keeps the score, you all have heard that. You know that trauma, the amygdala stores it up. It does not let it go. It'll, it'll silence it. It's kind of like a file that you say, what do you call it? Compressed files. Mm -hmm. You have to unzip them. Well, well, your amygdala compresses 
your 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 um your traumas. And so you don't know they're there until somebody triggers them and then the file opens and you see what happens. Mm. So you've got to un- go somewhere, therapy or whatever, to unzip the the file so you can actually see what will trigger your behavior and your level of happiness while you're in that. Only 10% is happening from day to day. Wow. <laughs> That's why marriage is not your, it does not mm. solve your happiness. It can enhance your happiness, but happiness is my bag of gifts, my marriage gift that I bring into the relationship. I walk in with my happiness. Why? Because I've dealt with my DNA. I've dealt with my tra- my past traumas, and I walk in there, and I don't expect a man to come and wipe out 90% of what it takes me to work on. So, no, it's unrealistic to expect marriage the institution. In fact, marriage is what exposes a lot of this stuff. You don't, you don't walk in, you don't have to be healed to be married. You don't have to be healed to, to, to go into a relationship. You just have to be healed enough where you don't pick the same thing that you have high tolerance for because of your home, mm. because of your past trauma. You, your dad, you loved him. Like, he was a good father because he had made a vow to himself he was going to be a good father, but he was a horrible husband. But you say, well, he was cheating on my mom, but good men can be, you know, serial cheaters and, 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 and dogs. And so you have a high tolerance for that. So when you attract it, you know exactly what to do with it. You know how to love it. You got to be healed enough to say, hey, this is not what I want in my life, if that's not what you want in your life. You've got to be healed enough to recognize dysfunction when you see it. Otherwise, just like you didn't know that there was pain in your heart until that father challenged you and brought it out. Right. It, th- he didn't create it. It was already there. He only excavated it. We've got to know what we need to excavate out of us in order to move forward healthy in a relationship and notice how that father protected his daughter because he meant no 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 you ain't gonna come in here and start doing what i've done in my past right to my daughter because i know what this looks like she is attracted to you because i you are me mm. she has a tolerance for you because you are me but i'm not gonna let her marry me i will lo- let her marry 2.0 me but not 1.0 me Mm. That's a great, great observation. Mm. Mm. <laughs> or even the, the beta test version of me. <laughs> <laughs> right. What was your What was your history like growing up? Did yeah. you grow up in your know, two parent home or what? what no, was same. So, well, I actually did have a two parent home because I had a stepdad, but I did not grow up with my biological father. Did you miss that, or did your stepfather was he involved in your life? See, it was interesting. I had an interesting relationship with my stepfather because he was not. He was a provider, for sure, of the family. But I can't say we had the best relationship. Why? He wasn't really an actively engaged, teaching kind of father. He was just more present and a provider. When you saw him with your mother, did you were, did you love your mom? Or were you yes. Awkward? So, of course... The, your mindset is going to be to protect your mom and you want the best for your mom. Did you feel that he was doing 
if this is not too personal, it, th- that he was actually engaging with her as well as you wanted him to? No, at times. No. I mean, I, I, to be honest, they ended up getting a divorce, and it just got so toxic that nobody was engaging with anybody how they should have been, mm-hmm. which actually made me very confused as a child because, like, I've he was in my life since I, from the time I was probably about five, six years old. So, I mean, I was calling him dad my whole life growing up. So seeing that back and forth of toxicity really had me confused because I felt at, I did feel like he was very wrong. It had a lot to do with it. Then I, sometimes I felt like my mom was very wrong. Then it would be a seesaw of that. And as a child, it's just confusing because you don't know who's picking sides. Then they may say something that's flagrant that pisses you off, but you understand that they're upset from some what somebody else did. Mm. And it's just a it's just like an emotional toxic confusion as a child. In in a situation like that, um, what can end up happening, and I've seen different guys, especially handle it different ways. Because first of all, you see somebody who is with your mom that you have already built five years of a relationship with and really established the love for, and all of a sudden you can almost feel a little bit replaced um, if if there was a difference because he steps in, in that, in in her heart, you can kind of see it. But then you've already kind of protecting her. And so if, this is what I've seen, and I'm not saying this is your situation, but mm-hmm. this is what I've seen. I have seen, especially especially in domestic violence situations, you didn't mention that, but I'm just telling you. What I've seen is several t- different types of guys. I've seen the guy where they will watch these things happen, and they will be the ones in the room brewing and upset, and you'll see anger building inside of them all their life by the time they get old enough it is a 80 percent, and i think i'm being conservative a 80 percent chance of there being a fight with that man the pain though comes and this is the deciding factor who the mother chooses to defend mm. if she chooses to defend him the son is broken because he has only been waiting for this moment to defend his mother mm. for years. If she chooses to defend the son, that husband, he escalates his rage and withdrawal and his pain and all that other kind of stuff. We actually did have that situation happen, actually, a lot growing up very early. Um, because we didn't have the best relationship growing up, it would typically be... And I was I was like known as a good kid among the family... And even his friends actually to this day are like my closest uncles and mentors. So they would even like coach him like, hey, you should, you know, do this and that. You should take him out. You should do this and that. But he wasn't really very guarded, not very good being vulnerable, emotional, having deep conversations wasn't his thing. If he did it, it was like a major like moment. That was one of the most emotional moments ever because that's not who he was. So my mom did have to have moments where she had to pick sides. And I would say she did do a good job for the most part. I never felt abandoned, if anything. But again, I just caused more friction because it was more tough conversations now 
with her telling him how she need, how he needs to do better with me. Because the battle begins right there, even and it escalates. It doesn't begin there, but it escalates at that point of who this woman will choose. And this woman, you see, I'm just talking about your mom, but yeah. just, you, that's the that's the look of it. And so what ends up happening is when you're raised with a man who's emotionally unavailable, which is what you seem to be describing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really not safe to even be emotional sometimes in his presence um, unless somehow your mom gave made special efforts to be uh, to to allow you to be that way. Did you have to be guarded as well, just to as a survival or what would? I, well, I was pretty. Uh, yeah, I was. I was actually very pretty guarded for the most part, hundred percent. In fact, my parents were young too. You know, my mom had me at seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. So, like, in many in moments, I felt like. I was the thinker mm-hmm. in situations as a kid. Like I would literally hear my parents fight regularly mm-hmm. at night. I'm right next door, like head on the door, listening to everything, mm-hmm. right? So when things start popping off, getting too real, I'm the person popping in like, hey. Oh, okay. You wow. know, having to really be the mediator, the thinker, no, 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 we're not going to do that, blah, 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 at a very young age. So I've always numbed my emotion to rely heavily on my logic and I'm relatively the same way this day like mm-hmm. much more of a thinker than a feeler what would happen if you allowed yourself to go to the utmost depths of your feelings I guess you put you about to make me find out today huh <laughs> <laughs> I guess but I guess that's the process right if, I, that's what I would have to figure out because if you really talked about that because in, in, in if, if I took the little boy back to the room and with his dear his ear up to the door, and you, as your adult self, I just want you to look at the little boy. What is he feeling? I'm not saying what is he doing. What is he feeling? Afraid. Afraid. Very listen, afraid. listen to that. That little boy was afraid while he was doing a courageous thing. He was like intervening on adult conflict, fearful. What was he afraid of? I want you to go to the deepest level of and look at him because let me tell you something. The reason why I'm asking you to look at him is because when when parents are involved in their own chaos and and, and issues, they don't look at him because if Mm -hmm. they really looked at him, they would see he's afraid. Mm. So you start thinking it doesn't matter what happened inside of me. I just need to continue to perform. And what I'm saying to you, I don't want you to look at his performance. I want you to look at the little boy's feeling. What do you see? I was really afraid of it getting worse. I was afraid of it getting violent. I was afraid of it affecting and moving into like my little brother and sister. I was afraid of it destroying our household, actually. Like that's really what I was afraid of. Like I would literally think like we're gonna lose the family, we're gonna lose the house. Like 
they gonna start fighting. My mom's gonna get hurt. You know, like all of those things, all of the worst possible things that could happen from that. Especially when you hear you know yelling and screaming as a kid, like it's just you just all the things that could go wrong. Just very terrified of what the consequences of those things could be. You said he's the provider, so you realize if you snatch the provider out of here, we are absolutely vulnerable. Which would create in you to say, I will never be dependent on somebody else mm. financially again. I will be a high provider. I will be driven. I will be motivated. I will make money. And let me tell you something. If that is what you do because you will never experience past pain again and you are with a wife who sees that you are seeming to neglect her, at the expense of a home, she won't understand. She may think it's me that you don't want to be around when, in fact, you are driven by not wanting to experience the past pain of, of dependent or everything blowing up because you couldn't control the money situation in yeah. that home. Yeah. We have to understand how our traumas impact even our career and our money. Because it may not be the love of success. It could be just the fear of, of sudden destruction. But that's not good. Because you're not showing up in love or, or purpose. You're showing up in anxiety and fear, and you don't even realize it. So it can actually wear on you underneath the surface. Just like the fear, nobody would have ever thought that that courageous child who was saving the day and controlling situations was fearful they would have thought of how brave and what a little man he is and you have to make sure that the people in your life don't expect you to not feel when they speak to you certain types of ways or treat you certain type of ways or expect certain type of ways you've got to make sure that they don't see you as some kind of superhero when you're just a man. And don't put it on yourself. No, what you said is so important, too, because I think if those traumas manifest in ambition, you might be getting praise your whole life for your trauma. Exactly. <laughs> and you don't even know it. And you don't even realize that it's all a cover-up. And that's super dangerous. Because now you're getting validated into your trauma. And you're getting incentivized for your trauma. And you motivate, and your goals getting bigger and bigger. And you're really running further away from the excavation. And guess what? You still carry the same fear. You know what it is? If the money stops, the family, the household, my life blows up. Because now people have elevated you with the label of success. And if that ends, boom. So it's an underwriting. It's underneath. And so the anxiety is underneath and it's hidden. But it's there. And people who try to stop you, they might end up with a fight or an argument and they don't even realize what they're arguing against. Man. Now, um... Love, you mentioned briefly about relationship expectations. So one of the things, because guys, we both regular, it's regular for both men and women to approach us when we out in Atlanta, anywhere. 
And the guys, if we decide to take time and, and speak to them, they always come up with the same thing. It's like, man, these women want too much. The married ones say that, the single ones say that. So with all the ladies that you coach, what is it that you're finding that they expect from men? So I am so glad you you, you want to touch on that. And and let, first of all, let me just say, because you got this this group of women, you know, you got the whole big old thing about you can't take me to the Cheesecake Factory right, you know, on the right. first date and all this kind of stuff like that and expectations. And I'm going to address where that comes from, the deeper part. What I want to start with, though, is what you're asking. And I want to spe- specifically talk to black women when they say, why is it that we got to struggle? Why is it that they can't fail? Why is it that this is this? And guess what? You, sh- you, I, I feel for you. You shouldn't have to struggle. I don't tell anybody to reduce their expectations or, or you, you don't, you can't desire this type of date. Or I don't say it for anybody. This is what I say to you. When I came to Atlanta today, I mean this this weekend, mm-hmm. I'm in an Airbnb. Okay, sometimes we'll stay in an Airbnb with my family, and so. I love real nice places to live. <laughs> so when I first, they asked me, where you, where, where you, where you want to stay? Atlanta. Over 500 opportunities, right? <laughs> right. But then you put in the filters. <laughs> so the first thing you say, I want somebody who don't take me to this. Da, da, da. Okay, that's fine. Okay, you just put in a filter. But it drops from 500 when I ask for certain things. Down to maybe 300. Okay, I, I, I want this, I want it on this side of town. Okay. Then I ask, I want the, 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 the swimming pool, or I want this type of how many rooms, and I want a jacuzzi. It goes down from 500 and something to 20-something maybe. You can put all the filters you want, ladies, but do know that every filter drops your possibilities. It filters out the men who are going to accept that because now I'm down to 20 something, right? So I'm looking at those 20 some opportunities of the really nice luxury. They going I'm, it's going to cost. It's going to, I'm going to pay, but I'm looking at the best of the best, right? Now, guess what? There's one other key, a piece of that. I have a rating on Airbnb too. Mm. They know <laughs> what I've done in the past. <laughs> that's a fact so if I didn't went in there and I didn't clean up after myself or if I didn't do what I was supposed to do they'll be like nope leave her there okay they're not going to accept me in so by the time you get to the 22 then you have to see which of those 22 won't you that's a fact so now 500 some of those people would want me even if I clowned maybe a couple times <laughs> But the other 22, they're like, oh, we have invested way too much in our property to let you in. So, because you're raggedy. So, so here's the thing. Go ahead and put your filters, but understand what you're doing when you filter out men who say, I just want to get to know you before I start investing in you. I just want to 
you know, there's, there's other women out here who I would select to stay in this relationship with me or just go on the first date with me because they're fine with the coffee house. Not because I'm not stingy, but I am, I do have bills and you understand that you would need to know that when I go into a marriage, <laughs> right? You would need to understand and be sensitive to another man's, uh, earning opportunity and things. He's like, okay, but why can't these men have enough money? Let me tell you why. Let's just tell you, as you put your filters in, let's talk the truth. This is the truth of in the facts. In America, when we talk about the disparity of wealth, white, uh, the white men and, and white people, period, our, they are, their disparity level is, their wealth is eight times higher, eight times higher than the average black man, five times higher than the average Hispanic man. Okay. The second thing, when it comes to, I want him to own his own stuff, his own house. I'm not saying there are men out there. The 22 got it. Maybe even 122. When you're talking about uh, creating a loan in those types of homes, $3,000 loans for most of black America can't happen. So they've actually been given my, my family, if they needed something, they could get that loan. And I would say, oh, no, no, you don't need a down payment. Let me help you with the down payment. And then that way you can get your house faster and blah, blah, blah. That's what happens in certain households, mm -hmm. households that you all might be able to provide for your kids. But that's what it looks like. But for the majority of us, it really, the statistics show and uh, that it does not happen for us. When we're talking about inheritance, leaving an inheritance for your children's children, what we see is that they can't make loans. We, uh, 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 too many of our households, and these are just facts. I'm not talking about what I think. We came in, no, I'm, I'm telling you the facts from the U.S. Uh, Treasurer census of, I think it was 2021 or 2022. These are the facts that I'm bringing to you. When we talk about inherited wealth, we are too many of our people are doing Go GoFundMe's while other people are inheriting insurance policies and trusts. Mm -hmm. What I am saying to you is this if it feels like it's harder to get what you want, it's because it is harder out there, mm -hmm. which is, I still don't say you have to suffer. I did not tell you you have to put up with it. You put your, as many filters in there as you want to put in there. I don't say compromise if you don't need to. But as you're doing it, this is what I need you to find out. While you're making those demands, is it because daddy didn't pay his, his uh, child support and you associated if he would have stepped up and took care of you with him, he would have loved you? If he would have been there for you? I literally, my husband wouldn't even mind me saying this. I remember my mother-in-law. She was, she had, her father was not in the home. And in eight, she was graduating from high school or eighth grade or something. I can't remember which one. And she was, she needed, she had, she worked. She was like a parentified child. He was out there doing his thing. She asked him for one thing because she told this story often. She asked him for one thing. She wanted this, this hat to match her graduation outfit. She asked him if he would buy it. Now, he was a gambler. He had money. He was working at steel mills and, you know, all that. He told her he couldn't. He didn't have it. And for she, she, you could see she spent 
She spent, spent, spent on clothes and things all of her life. But she was literally on her dying bed, and she recalled that story. And let me tell you all something. If you still are holding stuff like that inside of you, you will demand of, your, of these men what the Father didn't give you. You will demand that you treat me right and take me to expensive gifts and, and make me feel like I am special when somebody has made you feel like you are not enough. Wow. Just make sure that underneath the filters are not there because of trauma that you have not dealt with. Understand why. And there are people who just love luxury and they just have a standard. But there are others who that is not the case. Mm-hmm. First of all, well, first of all <laughs> we can put we, that on our, repeat. Our, our community has not even came from enough luxury to have this affinity. None of to us luxury. Have. We Correct. all doing this thing first generation out the mud. So to have all of these standards and see, here's the problem. It's not even the filters that I think are, are wrong. It's the fact that it's the wrong filters. Mm. Like the fact that we have, we're, we're literally, you you looking at the wrong things to determine whether or not. And how I should nice be, of a restaurant he going to take me to on the first date. Like these are all non-character based filters, non-integrity based fil- filters, non-long-term partnership quality based filters that we're using to evaluate one another. But remember I told you what neglect does. Neglect gives you a sense of entitlement. Mm. You owe me this because I was deprived. Somebody didn't do this for me. And be based on your trauma of neglect, you feel like the next person is going to make up for that. And I will not settle for less. And so understand if you have those traumas if you, and they have not been dealt with, and I am sensitive to it, I don't minimize it, and I don't, I, and I don't ridicule it. It just needs to be dealt with and, and healed so that, you know, you say, oh, love, 40 years of marriage. We were straight out of college, and we were poor, poor, okay? And w- literally, when I, and, and that, I know that was a back in a different day. But, but what we have now compared to what we had to work up our way to get, in my home, my parents always told us, though, they're like, don't expect to start off with, with what we have, with, with what you, you, my father, your father and I have. We had to grow to this place, but each generation has gone higher and higher. They even start at a different level. This is the problem. The problem happens, though, even in the families that have it, a lot of times we uh, value making people start back over at square one. That's a problem for me. And this is because every generation should be able to stay. Say you were, it was a big, huge staircase, okay, mm-hmm. leading to a door where you know that's where you were going. On that staircase, your, your grandparents got up to just one stair. They just got out of becoming enslaved, one stair. The next generation went five more stairs. Now, by the time they get to you, maybe you say you're on the 10th stair, but if you have a mindset of, I had to do this, 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 and you need to start over too. What? No. Your kids start on the 10th stair, and then you let them go up higher. You don't make them start over. We'll never get anywhere if we make them start over. So what you want to do is give them the best chances 
of starting and moving them and not be jealous of the climb and not sit there and decide, you got to pull me up too. You don't go to college so that I can come up. You don't get in the NBA so I can come up. I'm already up. I'm here if you need me, but I'm not your, uh, you're not my come up. I didn't birth you as a come up. And we need to come back to that mentality where our children can't take another stair because they're so busy dragging everybody think that, thinking that they're entitled to your success. I'm just, this is hitting hard right now because <laughs> especially with the, with the, with the entitlement, because I've never heard that perspective, but since you broke it down, I really think that that's really it when it comes to the expectations. I really think that is, it's the attitude. Hey, the last person, whether it's the last people I've been with, they treated me like, like this, and this is what I got. I'm never letting it happen again. Yes. Or this is what I've been longing for, and I did not get an opportunity to be treated as a princess by my father. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get that type of love. So I'm going to demand it from you. And if you're not willing to do it, then I'm just totally off. And it's, it's no chance. And this is what a child's mind will do. A child's mind will say, see, like, okay, for father, say a father who did not, who made promises, I'm going to come and see you. I'm going to come and see you. And they don't. And you see those, you have those children who waited at the window, waiting for their fathers who never showed up. This is what they think. If he loves me, if he really loved me, he would have shown up. That little child will plant that seed inside of them, and they will keep it and hold it all the way to adulthood. So let your behind break a promise and don't show up. Mm. You will get everything they father never got because they have already decided you can't possibly love me because you stayed at work late and you didn't show up when you did what it's supposed to. You don't know that you're triggering that trauma, but you are. Now we had um, Samantha Lee, who I'm not sure if you're familiar, but she's the ex-wife of Tyrese Gibson. And um, she was pretty much detailing that she had some friends in her ear that contributed to her thinking when it comes to calling on the divorce for their relationship. Now, we had another guest, SB Live, who come on the show, and she <laughs> says, hey, you know what? I understand what Samantha Lee stated, but I don't think of those friends did that. I think it was probably somebody a lot more dear to her, like a mother. I was just about to say, I didn't say that it was for her, but I was going to say, oh, it don't have to be usually friends. It's usually the friends have a they have a opening into your ear because your ear has already approved their message. The mothers mm. and aunties have already conditioned you to receive the message. Mm. If you come to me and, and I have been, which I was, you know, Christian home, Christian home, Christian home. And I have some friends who just say, you should, they don't think there's a God and this you, my ears automatically, it's going to take a whole lot to get into my ear about that. You understand? Because I have been conditioned to go to Sunday school and this, this, this. It takes a lot to, uh, to be, and we, we condition our children and program them by rewards and consequences. So if I'm not doing something, I get punished. If I, everything is, is we condition them to habitual behavior. So mm. my ear is closed until I really choose to open it. However, yeah, them men ain't nothing. Da, da, da. And you, they may not have said it to her. 
could have overheard it. Mm-hmm. You you overhear conversation. There were conversations. We just talked about his ear to the door. Guess what? But he didn't tell you about what he heard in those conversations. And if as a child, just the thought of hearing that has hurt him, he's going to be listening when it happens again. And he has to make sense of, is that true? Is that not? All of those things. And that's what I'm saying. With her, when that friend comes, because she's an adult, when that friend comes, was her ear already open to the conversation? Okay, in those situations, because we have a, a variety of age ranges that listen to the show. So now what's picking up is that 35 to 45 and at 45 to 55. So the aunties, essentially, the mothers, mm-hmm. they they listen to the show. Mm-hmm. So my question for you is some of these women who are communicating to the daughters and the nieces and things in terms of relationships, facilitating this conversation about what a healthy relationship looks like or what a man should and should not be doing, when they are giving the very critical advice, or let's just say the wrong advice in general, wrong counsel in general, is it coming from a place of love? Is it competitiveness? Is it jealousy? Like what what would possess them to give this toxic level of counsel to somebody? And it's not toxic for them. It mm. is their truth. Their truth is toxicity of in relationships. So they are actually telling their experience. And so if if you talk about the fact that your father wasn't there and you didn't miss him and 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 you're talking to a guy about I didn't I didn't even miss him before you realized you uh, didn't right. okay mm. and you're saying I I didn't even miss him and I don't this and you have a little kid there whose father wasn't there and he's thinking I miss my dad but I shouldn't be missing him so I'm just gonna live life like I don't miss him you know uh, I'm just gonna keep it moving and and just suck it up and. I don't even miss him. No, I don't even miss him. So he's going to take on the same language. And then somebody else come and, and, and start saying, man, don't even think about your dad. These men, you do your, make your money, get your bag. Up there, and you, yeah, that's right. Cause I don't even miss them. And, and some girl come t- say, you need to explore your girl. I they ain't got nothing to do with me. I don't need to go to no counseling. Nobody can't tell me who I am. I know. So you see what, what I'm saying? All of that, because the seed was planted, you were not trying to hurt that guy. You were not trying to mislead that guy, but you did. You know what? That you say that in my in my mind, love, the way I was visualizing it is the auntie coming up and saying that directly to it when the niece presents the situation. But I didn't think that more than likely is just surrounding an environment of conversations that could not necessarily be happening directly. She was listening to the phone call when the auntie was on the phone talking to her other friend. Right. And she picked up these... Yeah, because wow. the funny thing is, she also in that same conversation communicated. She and there also, is the, there is that mama said, "Hey, men ain't nothing." Da, da, and they're there, but that's there's that's still their experience and their truth, and yeah. they are regurgitating their traumas, but they are regurgitating it to someone who is navigating the waters, and their brain says, "Danger, danger!" Didn't you hear your auntie? Didn't you hear your mama? Danger, danger! And the first time they have their heartbreak broken. It's going to confirm everything. Then they build a wall, and then they treat men like their auntie told them. They start saying, where's the skills to handle that? Ah, yeah, ah, 
Yeah, get their money, honey. Forget them. You ain't got to have love, want love. You just get the money from them and blah, 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 and keep on about your way. That's a good strategy because mm. I don't have to get hurt. And it's officially their truth at that point. And that's dangerous. Very. That's dangerous. That's, and that's, that's truly what you call delusion, right? Like you living in a world that the laws are untrue. Yes, because we were created for love. And we really do need love. And if you see all the pain that we're talking about, it is all pain centered around not feeling loved. We were created to love. And physical studies, scientific studies, everything points back to our health being better, our mind, our emotional state, our mental health, our physical health, our immune system, everything feeling better when we experience love and it doesn't have to be only romantic love and that's what we need to know as single women that it doesn't only have to be romantic love your person doesn't just have to be a romantic person it could be that friend it can be that mom it can be that dad so we need to cultivate relationships outside of just a romantic relationship that are healthy but that actually feed and feed us that actually are, are healthy and, 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 and motivate us and feel empowering. Mm. I feel empowered right now. Me too. Me too. <laughs> we, we had, um, you know, we had the opportunity two times now to have um, the, the lovely and honorable judge Lynn Toller on the show. Oh. And um, you know, me and Tyshawn were having a conversation. I, I want to say it was last night where we were just talking about different guests that we want to have for a certain thing we, we got planned. And, and Tyshawn mentioned, he was like, man, judge, we got to have judge Lynn because she won the game, you know? And I was like, what you mean? He was like, she was married to her man all the way to death through us part. Yes. She was, he was like, she, he, he was like, she is goals. Like this is what mm. both men and women, that's what you want to do. You want to have yes. your person and you make it all the way. Of course it's unfortunate that, you know, People, we age and we and we pass and things, but you that's what you want to do. And it's a, a a plethora of both men and women now that are 60 plus, you know, 50, 60 plus, mm -hmm. still on the you know fringes of love, still haven't quite found it, yeah. either divorced once, multiple times, or just haven't really had that, you know, life-lasting connection. So with you being, um, you know, in in your age and you're married for 40 years, is it anything uh, that you could or any kind of counsel that you can give those people in, in that age that are still very committed to finding love even at 50, 60 plus years old? I would say never give up. I absolutely would say if that's what you want. I, for, before I even said that, I would say you can, you should be, if you don't want to be married, Enjoy your life. Don't let anybody pressure you because sometimes this is what I will say about that. By the time they get to like their fifties and forties and things like that, I have to re ask them if this is what they want marriage or if they're on autopilot, because then I began to, because by that time, you know, you got your money, you might have your house, you raised your children and things like that. And some of them will say yes, but not all of them when I ask them these questions. And this is what I will say. Okay, 
are you ready to have to kind of answer to somebody or give not answer but basically accountability mm. are you okay with accountability at this age are you okay with somebody sharing your space maybe not cl as clean as you or maybe cleaner than you are you okay with checking in and yeah and they began well i do like being by myself they've kind of got this ritual and this habit and they have to rethink marriage some of them want just a companion Mm. or you need to do marriage like you create your marriage. I have seen couples who bought an apartment and one lives upstairs and one lives downstairs and they love each other and they are connected. I know another couple who bought houses. They both are very, very successful and they both live across the street from each other and they have dinner every night at different houses. They date, they do all of that. But when their kids come in town, they're adults, they get to go and they don't feel like they're coming over to your wife's house or to your husband's house. So they wait, wait, have you telling me they married and they live in separate places? Absolutely. You can't tell me that's healthy love. <laughs> you can't tell me that's healthy. Why wouldn't it be? Why At that age, why couldn't it be healthy to do that? Why did they move away in the first place? No, they were. I'm talking about people in like, like 50s. They and found and, love later in life. Oh, they found love later in life. You got to yeah, consider yeah, okay. they okay. have conditioned themselves to be a certain way. You've been single and looking okay. for 50 years. Oh my god! You know you can. And you kind of set in your ways. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay, okay. So it's like that version of love. And you ain't and, doing too and, much and outside have, of the person. And, you and with. if that's right. not your version, you cannot compromise. If you cannot wrap your head around it, don't. You understand? Yeah. There's a filter, right? So, it, and, and at your age, it's not going to be a lot of women that that's going to impact the filter. If it was 400, it's going to be probably, if it was 450, it's probably going to go down to 430, <laughs> okay? Yeah. And, but at the 50 and 60, it might be like, okay, that, that sounds like we get to create our own space. But they love each other. They connect with each other, but they, they own properties anyway. And so they have, they have specifically designed you in this day and age, you will not have your grandmother's marriage. And a lot of times we want grandmother expectations. My grandmother was there every day or, and, and she was cooking. My grandfather come home and this, this, this. And what was the, how much was gas? <laughs> right. <laughs> how much was bread? What did one income do? And I'm not saying that you have to settle once again, you make choices. For me, my choice was this. I wanted to make sure, I wanted to go faster. Me and my husband put our income together. We don't even know whose money is what. I don't care because I can trust him. I won't overspend. I'm not even a mall person. Yeah. I don't overspend. He don't overspend. We love doing what we do. And so we work that out as far as financially, and we work it together. And I don't have any problem with that. We, he doesn't have a problem with it either. And so, and there's been times where he made more than money than me, and I was Tony McPherson's wife. And there's times where I've made more money than him. It doesn't matter because we are one. That won't work for everybody, and it should, don't have to work for everybody. Don't try to make Tony and Love's marriage out of your, your marriage. You designed your own marriage the way you prefer it, and as long as both of you all agree, 
that's what's important. I think that's great counsel. Amazing counsel. To be honest, love, <laughs> I think you didn't save some folks today. Because we wanted to make so. sure we get your caliber up here. We had to go deep within. <laughs> and first of all, even in this conversation, I done drifted off thinking about my life. <laughs> <laughs> I see it. I, I, so I, many I times understand. in this conversation. So I know y'all watching. Y'all <laughs> drifting off thinking about y'all life too. But that's what we want here every time y'all come to Harley Initiate. But I, what right. I want you to do is I want you to see the little boy. And I want you to take care of the little boy and protect him allow his most deepest voice to be heard because you have a mic but people will resonate with him don't mute him and allow you to be heard bring him into the conversation because when people hear and see him they're going to love him you don't have to hide him anymore you don't have to mute him anymore look at him see him and make him known Point taken. I surely will. And I appreciate you for coming up here and right. blessing us how you did. And I, I'm going to let you go just on one condition. Mm-hmm. On one condition. You got to promise us that you will come back and join us on our live show. Yes. You know what? If y'all didn't have me, I would break through the door. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, let me tell you, we, we need your energy on the live show. And because you are so dynamic and you have a, a range of expertise in the topic, I can only imagine how the I mean the live show would be off the chain. Matter of fact, if y'all want to see love on the live show, just put live in the comment right now. Just drop yeah. that L I V in the comments right be now. Be nice, people. Be nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, both both the ladies and the men will love that. No, it's no doubt. It's no doubt. No, absolutely. And before listen, before I let you go, I want you to let the people go off. Give them a message. Give them something that they need to take with them before they go off and end this show? I'm going to leave you how I always leave people. And, you know, my name is Love. I was born for this, I always say. But my, I'm born to make sure that you never give up on love because you deserve love. You deserve to give love. You deserve to receive love. And when Satan can make you turn away or fear love. He has you. Why? Because God is love. So you've got to stay attached to your desire for love. You've got to learn how to perfect the art of receiving it, giving it, experiencing it because love through you never fails. Mm. And there you have it. I encourage everybody here. As you know, we are growing our family our membership, our initiates. Go ahead while you're still in the spirit and join the initiates and all the initiates already know why you initiate mm-hmm. because every Monday and Wednesday night we are in full effect. Monday and Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, all right? Make sure you are there because you have been fed and we're going to keep on feeding you every single week. And y'all already know how we do it. Hardly <laughs> initiated. We are out.